Hello, welcome to Stories Podcast. In this week's episode, we bring you our take on the classic tale of Snow White by the Brothers Grimm. Enjoy! I wish I had a child, a girl to hold and love, a princess wise and fair and true, and gentle as a dove. I wish I had a child with hair as black as coal. Lips as red as fresh new blood, and skin as white as snow, and skin as white as snow. These were the words sung by the fair Queen of Middale, as she worked quietly at her sewing. She had pricked herself with her sewing needle, and three bright drops of blood had dripped onto the freshly fallen winter snow that piled on the black wood of her windowsill. The red looked so pretty paired with the white snow and the black wood that she made up the song on the spot and wished it to be true. To the great delight of the king and the kingdom, she was soon granted her wish. Her daughter was born with skin as milk-white as new-fallen snow. Her smiling lips were a perfectly bright shade of red, and her hair was as pitch-black as the coal the dwarves of the mountains pulled from the mines. They named her Snow White, and the entire kingdom sang with the joy of their love for the royal princess. Unfortunately, the joy wasn't to last. In another part of the kingdom, in an old forgotten castle overgrown with thick green strands of ivy like climbing snakes, there lived a wicked witch. She wasn't especially powerful as far as witches go. She couldn't turn into a dragon or conjure a house made of candy, but she was skilled in the magic of beauty. Every morning, she would sing her spells, working her old magic to keep herself young and beautiful beyond belief. Winter withers, fall deplores, summer blooms and spring restores. Wind sings beauty or mountain curves, the heat it forges, the cold preserves. Her beauty spell completed, she would turn to her magic mirror. Mirror, she would say. Mirror! The mirror was a heavy sleeper. Mirror! Yes, my fair sweet witch. Tell me, who is the fairest in all the land? Not without the magic words. Magic words? I should break you into a thousand manners, my fairest. Fine. Mirror, mirror, in my hand, who is the fairest in all of the land? Every day she would ask this question to her magic mirror, and every day the mirror would reply, You are the fairest, I'll know it true, there is no one near as fair as you. This made the witch very happy, because the mirror was only able to tell the truth. However, on Snow White's eighth birthday, something unexpected happened, and it nearly tore the peaceful kingdom of Middale apart. Mirror, mirror, in my hand, who is the fairest in all the land? The witch asked that fateful morning. Sweet witch, you're fair, that still is true, but Snow White is ever more fair than you. What did you say? 
the witch screeched. I said that Snow White is the fairest in all of the kingdom. Don't worry, age catches up to everyone eventually, sweet witch. The mirror rather seemed to be enjoying telling this particular truth. Snow White? The princess? The witch growled, and a foul green smoke began to waft out of her curled, claw-like hands. I'll teach her a lesson. And with that, she threw the magic mirror into a closet, slipped into her traveling cloak, and stormed out of the old castle doors for the first time in years, her terrible laugh echoing through the haunted forest. (laughs) Snow White sat with her queen mother in the garden. It was just days after her eighth birthday, and she was the most beautiful little girl anyone had ever seen. Her skin, already smooth and white as snow, now shone like moonlight on a clear winter's night. Her hair, already lovely and as dark as coal, now fell straight and clean to her waist like a swath of starless sky. Her lips, already bright and healthy red, now parted daily to sing sweet songs to all of the animals in the castle courtyards. The castle folk, everyone from brave knights in their armor to the scullery maids washing dishes, agreed that when Snow White sang, even the birds seemed to land and listen. She was singing now to her mother, and it was true. The birds did land to listen, and they weren't alone. Fuzzy rabbits crawled blinking from their burrows, and tawny fawns laid their heads at her feet. Chubby bumblebees paused on drooping daisies, and snakes slithered silently from their hiding spots in the tall grass to better hear the young princess. Lovely maid in your castle, hair golden and long, won't you throw me a favor, won't you sing me your song? Lovely maid in your castle, won't you give me this dance, for night's falling swiftly, and this is our last chance. As she was singing, suddenly the animals all looked up in alarm. The snakes slithered silently back into the tall grass, and the bumblebees buzzed back to their hives. The young fawns scampered on skinny legs back into the trees, and the rabbits ran for their burrows. The birds all took flight at once, like a great cloud of chirping, chittering color. "'Snow White, please come here,' said the queen. "'What is it, mother?' asked Snow White. But her mother didn't get a chance to answer, because suddenly, in a puff of smoke like dragon's breath, The wicked witch appeared in the garden. She strode through the flowers, and everywhere she stepped, the bright blooms withered and died. So this is the beautiful Snow White, the witch said. Snow White's mother was frozen with fear, but Snow White had never met a witch before, and she didn't know what to make of this strange and beautiful woman appearing in her garden. Yes, I am Snow White, she said, and who might you be? This made the witch laugh. Dear brave girl, she said. Don't you recognize your own mother? This confused Snow White. But even as she watched, the witch began to change her looks. Slowly but surely, she used her magic to make herself look exactly like Snow White's mother. Snow White's mother gave a cry of alarm, and pausing only to scoop Snow White into her arms, began to run away. She made only three steps before the witch's spell hit her and froze her in place. Snow White felt her mother's arms grow harder and colder, and before she knew it, her mother, the queen, had become a statue of pale gray stone. "'What have you done?' cried Snow White. "'You turn her back right now!' But the witch, perfectly disguised as Snow White's mother, only laughed. 
Is that any way to talk to your mother, young lady? Snow White called the butlers, and the butlers called the guards, and the guards called her father, the king. But the witch fooled them all. She told the king that the statue was made in her honor, and that Snow White's imagination was running away with her again. Because the witch's magic made her look exactly like the queen, everyone believed her, and no one believed poor Snow White. The young princess tried for the rest of the afternoon to convince her father that her mother was actually a witch, but he wouldn't listen. Snow White, he said, I've had it with your stories. If you don't start telling the truth, I'm going to send you to work with the dwarves in the mines. He would never have done it, of course, but it was the sort of thing that parents in Middale were always saying to their kids. Finish your vegetables, or you'll have to go to work with the dwarves in the mines. Clean your room, or you'll have to go to work with the dwarves in the mines. Be nice to your great aunt Gertrude, or you'll have to go to work with the dwarves in the mines. On and on, and it was driving Snow White crazy. She eventually realized her only choice was to escape from the castle before the witch could turn her to stone, too. She would get help from someone, somewhere, and come back and rescue her father. She waited until the king and the witch were distracted by a royal dinner and slipped out of the gate dressed as a normal farm girl. She ran over the drawbridge and down the path, deep into the woods, before she had time to remember that she didn't bring so much as a candle to light her way. Snow White walked for hours. The woods grew deeper and darker, and the sounds of wild animals quickly began to surround the young princess. She could feel herself becoming confused in the trees and the darkness. But it wasn't until she found her own hairband, lost an hour earlier in a pricker bush, that she admitted to herself that she was well and truly lost. She felt like sitting down and crying, but her parents had always taught her that feeling sorry for yourself never accomplished anything, so she dug deep and found more courage to continue on. She walked well into the night, until faint in the distance, she saw a flicker of light and heard a snatch of song. Creeping up carefully to not be seen or heard, she moved towards the light and the sound. What she saw nearly made her laugh out loud, remembering her father's threats from earlier. It was seven dwarfs walking home from a day's work in the mines. They were short and widely muscled with big features. Their ears drooped like bread dough, and their big noses hung like cliffs over their big craggy lips. They looked dirty and strong and tough as the pickaxes they carried, but their big eyes were friendly, and they were singing a song as they walked. Pick and sledge, gems and gold. The best we keep and the rest are sold. Sledge and gems, gold and pick. The mine is dark and the stones are slick. Gems and gold, pick and sledge. The rocks we break and the dust we dredge. Golden pick, sledge and gems. Pack the pipes and chew the stems. Snow White listened to their song and fell in behind them as they walked down the trail. She was careful to stay far enough away that they didn't know she was following them but she also was careful not to lose sight of their lights as they bobbed down the trail. She had heard a lot about dwarves, as every young child in the kingdom of Middale had, and she knew they were by and large a kind sort of people and friendly to the king. They worked hard, deep in the earth, to pull out the precious gold and coal and gems, and then they frequented the castle market selling these treasures to men from all over the kingdom. When Snow White turned seven, A dwarf with a long silver beard had given her a slim golden ring to bind her hair, 
It was one of her prized possessions. So she followed the dwarves through the night on tired feet, hoping they would lead her someplace warm and safe with plenty of food and a nice comfy feather bed. Back at the castle, the witch was in a rage. She didn't think Snow White would dare leave, and now she was stuck with the king and her time was running out. Turning the queen to stone had been a very difficult bit of magic, and now she had perhaps one more day before her power was spent and the king saw through her disguise. She needed Snow White under her control, for only the blood of the fairest maiden in the kingdom could restore the witch's beauty. But the princess had escaped into the thick woods north of the castle walls. The princess was lucky in that regard. She didn't know it, but in those woods, the magic of the dwarves and fairy folk was strong, and the witch's spells would be weak and unreliable. So there was only one thing to do. She called the huntsman. It wasn't something the witch liked to do. The huntsman was dirty and brutish and cruel, but he was the best there was at what he did, even if what he did wasn't especially pleasant. He was an expert tracker, and he would hunt anything, be it criminal or animal or princess, through the woods and bring them back to the castle. He wore the same sour-smelling clothes every day, streaked with mud and leaves to blend into the woods, and he carried a slender axe with a blade sharp enough to cut through stone like butter. His scarred and angry face scared even the king, so it was up to the witch to give him the order. Track Snow White down and bring her back to the witch. The dwarves finally crossed a small bridge over a babbling brook and arrived at their home. It was a cozy little cottage made from expertly cut stone, cunningly arranged in a small clearing. They all went inside, and soon Snow White could see a fire roaring in the hearth and a big pot of stew, thick with meat and onions, bubbling steadily in the flames. Her own stomach bubbled and growled with hunger in return, and she decided that revealing herself to the dwarves was worth the risk. Perhaps they could help her defeat the witch. If not, they could at least feed her. She raised her hand to knock on the door and heard a raspy voice speak from the shadows behind her. No, little princess, said the huntsman, stepping from the shadows. No need to involve those stinking dwarves in this. You come back with me to your mother and no one has to get hurt. Snow White pressed her back against the wooden door of the dwarf's cottage. She recognized the huntsman from the castle. Her father hired him from time to time to track down dangerous criminals. But it was rumored he worked for goblins and witches as well. It seemed to Snow White now that those rumors must be true. She's not my mother. She's a witch, and I'm not going with you, Snow White said with a bravery she didn't entirely feel. After all, she was just a young girl, and the huntsman was tall and broad, and his axe seemed to glow in the moonlight. Mother's witches, their gold all spends the same, he said. Now are you coming with me, or do I have to drag you home? Snow White felt the door open behind her, and the seven dwarves pushed gently past her, putting their bulky bodies in between her and the huntsman. In their hands were their sledgehammers and pickaxes, and they wore long coats of iron rings on their chests. She said she's not going, the dwarves said, more or less in unison. Now, huntsman, why don't you just run back to your witch before these stinking dwarves give you a lesson in courtesy? For a moment, Snow White thought the huntsman would try the dwarves. His hand played with the handle of his axe, but he thought better. Dwarves were notoriously good fighters, and even a man like the huntsman wouldn't dare face seven at once. Your mother will hear of this, he said. She's not my mother, yelled Snow White. 
but the huntsman was already gone, back into the shadows of the forest. "'You saved me,' she said to the dwarves. The dwarves turned as one and bowed low, their great beards dusting the ground. "'Anything for the king,' they said. "'Anything for the princess.' One of the dwarves stepped forward and took her hand. Snow White suddenly recognized him as the dwarf who gifted her the golden hairband on her last birthday. "'Thank you, kind dwarves,' she said. The dwarves brought her inside, where it was warm and safe, and gave her a double helping of stew. And then they let her lay on their softest feather bed, and before long, Snow White was happily asleep. The huntsman went back to the castle, cursing the dwarves with every step. Those short, rock-crunching, cave-smelling, gem-mining, pickaxing, On and on through the woods. When he finally got back to the castle, he found the witch waiting for him outside, still disguised as the gentle queen. Well, she said. She was never much for greetings. Where's Snow White? The huntsman looked down at his muddy boots. She got away. She what? asked the queen. You're the legendary huntsman, and she's a girl of eight. How did she possibly escape you? It was the dwarves, he said. What dwarves? asked the witch. The seven dwarves of the northern mines, the ones who are always bringing in new jewelry for the king and his court. I hate dwarves, the witch said, and it was very true. Dwarves, being hardier and stronger than normal men, were very resistant to magic, and that had never sat well with any witch. Return to their hovel and fetch me that princess at once. Fetch her yourself, yelled the huntsman. He didn't like to admit it, but he was afraid of the dwarves' hammers and picks and the great big arms that held them. Why, you insolent, yelled the witch, and with a great blast of power, she turned the huntsman to stone where he stood. He made a rather ugly statue, but the witch had bigger problems. The sudden burst of magic had weakened her disguise spell, and her true face was beginning to show under the queen's features. She yelled in frustration and went back into the castle. In the royal chamber, the king was snoring loudly. The witch had cast a sleeping spell on him to keep him out of the way until she could sort all of this out. Irritably, she snapped her fingers, and the magic mirror appeared in her hands. Mirror, mirror, in my hand, she said quickly. Who is the fairest in all the land? My witch, bad news, at least for you. Snow White is fairest, I'll know it true, the mirror said. And on its surface, it showed Snow White, cozy in the dwarf's cottage, chewing a mealy apple and waiting for the dwarves to return from the mines. The witch smiled and slipped the mirror into the deep folds of her sleeve. She had a new plan, and Snow White wouldn't be the fairest for much longer. Snow White was still waiting for the dwarves to return from the mines when she heard a knock on the door. She felt her heart thump loudly with fear. The dwarves had gone to the mines to consult with the other dwarves on the proper way to defeat a witch, and they had left Snow White strict instructions to not answer the door for anyone. Still, though, she peered through the window and felt relieved. It wasn't a huntsman or a witch or anyone scary at all. It was merely an old farmer's wife selling apples from a cart. They looked fresh and delicious, much better than the old stunted fruits the dwarves kept in the cellar. She opened the door with a smile. Hello, are you selling apples today? Snow White asked. I am, sweet child, said the woman. Would you care for one? Snow White started to say yes, and then remembered she had no coin to pay. I'm sorry, I don't have any money for apples, she said. But the old woman just smiled. 
Not to worry, sweet child. The first apple is free, the woman said. Here, take this one. It matches your lips. Snow White gave a cry of delight and took the apple the old woman was offering. She took a big bite, feeling the crunch of the fruit in her mouth. But something was wrong. Instead of the tart sweetness of a bright red apple, the taste was sour and metallic and choking. <coughs> the old woman suddenly got younger, her face slimmer and more beautiful. And suddenly, it wasn't an old woman at all, but the wicked witch with all of her power. The world grew dark for Snow White. She started to fall to the ground. And now, my little princess, the witch said, your blood will make me young again. She bent down to steal Snow White back to her castle, but a ruby the size of an egg struck her in the side of the head and sent her staggering. The magic mirror slipped from her sleeve and landed in the grass next to Snow White. Get back, you evil thing! It was the seven dwarfs, just back from the mines. Back, we say! The witch unleashed a blast of magic against the nearest dwarf, but his skin proved too tough. Instead of turning to stone, he just laughed. Us dwarves are the masters of stone, they cried. We are born into rock and weaned on golden gems. Your sorceries hold no sway here. Now be gone! They advanced on her, picks raised high. The witch screamed, beautiful no more, her magic wasted, and she vanished in a puff of dragon smoke. The dwarves ran to Snow White, but they were too late. The young princess was still and silent on the ground. What do we do? they cried. They tried and tried, but couldn't wake her. They argued and blustered. They shook the young princess, but eventually, coming up with no better plan, they bundled Snow White and the magic mirror together in their minecart and set off towards the castle. Unfortunately, the witch beat them there. When the dwarves rolled the princess and the magic mirror into the castle, they found everyone overtaken by an enchanted slumber. From the knights asleep in their armor to the scullery maids dozing in their dishes, there was not a soul awake in the entire castle. Well, except for the witch. She stood in the throne room in front of the king who was snoring on his throne. There was a wicked laugh on her lips, and she was hideously ugly. Putting the entire castle to sleep had used up all of her magic, and there was none left for beauty. You dwarves may be tough, but you aren't smart, she said. In your enchanted woods and mines, you have the power, but here I'm in control, and you've brought the princess right to me. She laughed again and gestured at the seven dwarves. Thick and gnarled bands of thorny roots burst through the stone floor and wrapped around the stocky, would-be heroes, pinning them in place. The shaking floor caused the entire throne room to tremble wildly. The cart holding Snow White tipped over and spilled the young princess to the ground. When she hit, the bit of apple shot from her mouth and slid across the floor. The dwarves struggled but could not free themselves from the thorny branches. The king snored on the throne. The witch laughed wildly, and Snow White, well, with the enchanted apple out of her mouth, Snow White woke up. That's enough, she said, rising to her feet. You let my friends go, and you wake everyone up this instant. The witch growled, her crooked old hands curling into claws. You're awake? No matter. I'll have your beauty soon, and I'll be the fairest, most powerful witch the kingdom has ever seen. I'll rule as queen, and everyone will kneel before me, or they'll sleep forever. Snow White suddenly saw the magic mirror laying on the ground by her feet. 
It had spilled from the cart when it had tipped over, and now she knelt quickly and slipped it into her hand. She had a plan. You'll never have me. I'll run and I'll hide and I'll never stop. You'll have to turn me to stone too, Snow White cried. The dwarves yelled in frustration, not understanding why the brave young princess would stand alone against the darkly powerful witch. Stone, you say? That can be arranged, the witch cackled, and just like she had with the queen and the huntsman, she sent a powerful spell straight at Snow White. Snow White was counting on this, though, and she was ready. As the spell streaked across the room, she raised the magic mirror in front of her like a shield. The spell hit the enchanted glass, breaking it into a thousand pieces, and reflected it back at the witch. The witch didn't even have time to scream as the spell struck her full in the heart. She was instantly and completely turned into stone, an ugly statue with hands raised, the hideous cackle frozen forever on her lips. The thorny branches holding the dwarves withered, and the dwarves broke free. The king woke from his enchanted slumber, and so did the rest of the castle. They saw the witch, frozen still and stone gray, and started to celebrate. A great cheer went up for the brave young princess, but Snow White began to cry. "'What's wrong?' said the dwarves. "'What's wrong?' said the king. "'You've defeated the witch. It's a great day for our kingdom.' "'Don't you see?' Snow White said. "'Mother is still frozen as stone. With the witch gone, there's no one to turn her back.' The king nearly fainted, but the dwarves gave each other serious looks. One by one, they stepped forward and bowed so low their beards brushed the dirt. "'Our sweet princess,' they said. "'If your mother is stone, then fear not. Us dwarves have been the master of stone since we first set our picks against the might of the mountains. Lead us to your statue, and if she can be made whole again, we are the dwarves to do it.' Snow White, scared but suddenly hopeful, led the seven dwarves to the garden where the witch had first appeared. A large crow was perched on her mother's stone arm, and Snow White shooed it away to make room for the dwarves. The dwarves knocked on the statue and listened to the stone with their big ears. They smelled the stone with their big noses, and they looked very serious. They whispered and knocked and listened and smelled until Snow White thought she would scream, but eventually, finally, they looked at the young princess with broad smiles. "'It's hard stone, sweet princess,' but the true heart still beats inside, they said. Be a sweet girl and fetch us our picks, and we'll hatch this queen from her shell. Snow White ran and got the dwarves their tools. In the end, it was a lot of slow work to remove the stone without harming the woman inside. But finally, a pick struck true, and the stone cracked and crumbled and fell away, revealing the queen. She was groggy and confused, but otherwise unharmed, though from that day forth she had an unusual soft spot for crows. They placed the stone witch in front of the castle next to the stone huntsman and left them both there as a warning to those who obsess over beauty. The king knighted the dwarves, and from that day forth they served as the royal guard, though they still returned to the mines now and then, as all dwarves will. As for Snow White, she grew older and more beautiful still, but she never forgot the lesson she learned from the wicked witch— she went out of her way to always be kind and gentle to all of those who lived in her kingdom. She never much cared if she was the fairest, or second fairest, or 381st fairest in all of the land. She had her friends, and she had her family, and that was more than enough for her. The End Thanks for listening. 
Today's story was recorded and produced by Jacob William Patrick. It was written by Daniel Hines and inspired by the Brothers Grimm. I'm your narrator, Kelsey Lee. Please subscribe to Stories Podcast on iTunes for weekly free stories and check out our page at storiespodcast.com for even more great content like companion activity books and original illustrations. Thanks for listening! If you'd like to support the show, we've made it really easy. Just go to the storiespodcast.com homepage and click the support the show by shopping on Amazon link at the top right of the page, and then you shop normally. That's it. There's no extra cost for you, but Amazon gives the podcast a percentage of the sales. It's the perfect way to get your Christmas shopping done and support free content at the same time. Thank you.